0: Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 is where we left off as we've been dealing with the subject of work. And uh, we're going to begin in just a few moments, Roman numeral 4 in the outline. It's the last point. And, uh, and there may not be a, a ton of things to say about that last point, but we're going to get there in a few moments. But I wanted to kind of pick up right at the end of employers' responsibilities. Uh, maybe we should just quickly... Uh, review, and i got to go back like 18 pages in my notes, all right? Uh, as we started this, we've asked the question, what does God say about work? And we learned, uh, first of all, that God teaches about labor. Uh, very A number of important truths we learned about that, that God made us to work. I love it how uh, the Bible just does really outline everything we need to know, uh, that work is not a result of the curse. I've heard people say that before, and it's not true. Uh, work became harder after the curse. Thank you, Adam. Okay. But work was not because of the curse. God designed men to work. He made you to work. And truth is, if you don't work, um, and, and if you're not productive in life and you're not doing something, uh, you, you are, well, first you'll get in trouble. There, there's just no, no, you're going to. Uh, life isn't going to hold meaning. God made us to work, and uh, we learned about another thing. God planned that we have rest. He encourages labor in our youth, and so uh, a number of truths we learned about labor. Then uh, we had a chance to focus on uh, employees and what they're supposed to do, and and so God just deals with everything, attitudes and actions of an employee, and obedience, and uh, and and who are who are you working for, by the way. Right, right, you're working for God. We know that, but sometimes we lose sight of that when the boss gives us a hard time, when he gives us maybe a review of a work and and we've been doing a good job, but he's not happy or she's not happy with the work that we've been doing. Um, and and our attitude can sometimes change, but we've got to realize, hey, listen, I'm I'm not working for such and such a company. I'm working for Jesus Christ. And if that attitude will permeate our thinking, Makes a big difference. Honoring your employee, uh, seeking to please them, Uh, be patient even when you're treated unjustly. And then we talked about employers. Uh, When you're you're a boss or when you're hiring someone to do work or whatever, these things apply. And God deals with that subject. And we left off at Colossians 4. We made reference to it and we shared a few things, but I wanted to look at it one more time and read the verse because I think we just actually mentioned the reference. God says this in in Colossians 4, Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Now, there's some great truths uh, that are laid out here. And we already uh, related the fact that as far as work is concerned, probably the closest relation we have in Scripture to work situations, because quite honestly, some of the things that we see in our society today weren't prevalent and wouldn't have been found necessarily in in work situations in that day, but there's a great correlation between a servant and a master. Now, think about this, okay? A master has control of a servant, can make him do whatever he wants to do, and quite honestly, the, the servant doesn't even have opportunity in, in many scenarios to demand, make demands at all. I mean, this is just, here's a master, here's servant. And God, when he deals with that situation, even though a master would have total control and be able to say, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you better not question this, and, 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 and those things. He tells masters there's two things they're supposed to do. First, they're supposed to t- treat them justly. Now, that means it couldn't be dealing with a slave situation where someone was bought in the market. This was more a situation where people... And this happened in Israel many times. Jews sold themselves to other Jews. They made an agreement with other Jews because they had financial difficulties, they had financial struggles, and so they became, if you would, a servant of someone willingly by choice. And those people, masters, were told, look, you treat them with equity, you treat them fairly. This is what I expect of you. Now, a master can say, well, wait a second, I've already made an agreement with them, and those things. And if God says, look, masters, this is your responsibility, treat them fairly, treat them with, with equity, uh, render to each his due, and then treat them uh, and uh, just and equal, and that is with fairness or equitable. So here's some great truths. A boss is to make sure his workers are compensated fairly for their labor, and that they're, uh, that they're treated, they're given their due, and treated as they ought to be treated. And quite honestly, wouldn't that solve a lot of problems in the workplace? As I've been looking over these verses and being reminded that God speaks about both employees and employers in many different ways, whether it's servant, master, or whatever, I've just been reminded of how, uh, quite frankly, and I said it, I think, last week, you know, uh, we could solve a lot of the problems that the government seems to keep wanting to stick their stick their hands into and get involved in if people would just follow the Bible, um, whether it's employee or employer. So the last point is this, and we should look at the Bible in con- regard to this. God teaches about wages, about pay. He does. And so in order to do that, let's go... Um, uh, Let's go to 1st Timothy chapter 6, 1st Timothy chapter 6. I actually have a couple of passages where I'm going to be going back and forth. And so I was trying to decide where to go first. 1st Timothy chapter 6. When God teaches us about wages, he shares some things that we need to have uh, correctly in mind. And uh, these are going to answer not just uh, wages questions, but I think even questions about should a Christian be involved in the lottery. Um, should a Christian uh, be saying, "Well, I want to strike it rich, and that's my goal and that's my desire here in first Timothy chapter six, God deals with the matter of our our attitude toward money, toward finances and here's what God tells us, look if you would at verse eight uh well let let's go back uh, godliness with contentment verse six says is great gain so he's going to teach about contentment a little bit. And he says, "We brought nothing into this world. It's certain we can carry nothing out." And isn't that true? You didn't. You didn't have anything when you came into this world, okay? You were in your birthday suit, as they say. And when you go, you're not going to carry anything out, all right? They may have clothes on you, all right, but but quite quite frankly, it won't make a difference at that point because the truth is, you can't take it with you. And they know you hear that said, but you can't. You. There's only The only things you can take with you are the things that you earn for eternity. And God tells us that numerous times in Scripture. That's the only thing that we can take with us would be the rewards and the things we do that God will reward for all eternity. There is nothing you can take with you. And God shares that truth. And then he says this in verse 8. And this is a great principle that many people don't understand. Having food and raiment, what are we supposed to be? To be content. And so the truth is this. If basic needs are being met, be content. Um, Should a Christian be involved in a strike? uh, I think we could probably argue from this passage, if your needs are being met, no. Because you're to be content with what you have. You say, well, people in my job are making a lot more money. All right. Then if, if the company you're working with won't come to the bargaining table and won't talk with you, look for another job. If you're able to eat and you have the things that you need for necessities for life, then God tells us that we should be content with that. We should be satisfied. We, we should, we should, um, actually, we should be thankful that God is meeting those needs. And so he teaches that principle. And um, that is one. In fact, look at verse 8, because he goes on. He says, They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. And then he shares the truth, for the love of money is the root of all evil. And that goes to this. Why does someone buy lottery tickets? Because their hope is totally contrary to what God just said. Isn't that true? What, are the, what is the hope? Why, why does someone buy one? They want to be rich. A lot of things. First of all, I just want to be able to quit my job. Okay? But God made you to work. I just want to be able to to do these things and have these things, God says, "If you have food and raiment, be content." Well, I just want to be rich. I don't. I just want to. Have, I don't want to have any a worry in the world, which is interesting because people, when they when they get that money, have a bunch of concerns anyway because they have all sorts of relatives that they never knew they had, and people asking for money and decisions that they have to make. But that's another story for another time. All right. But here in this passage, God gives us so many truths, but. The ultimate truth, and the one that we're bringing out here and trying to focus on, is this: If my needs are being met, I should be content. Um, does that mean someone can't look can't look to buy a home because hey, if I food, have food and raiment, there's nothing about a house. No, it uh, doesn't mean that. In fact, the truth that matters when you look at Scripture, you look at people who lived according to the means that God had provided for them. So, um, King David lived in a nice. Palace. Solomon built a beautiful home for himself. In fact, he built a couple homes. He built the temple as well. Um, You look at um, King David and the kings of Israel, and they were arrayed as kings would be arrayed in that day. They wore nice apparel, they wore the finest. Was that wrong and evil because, well, they had more than food and raiment? No, God had blessed them such, and God doesn't condemn. The matter of someone using their money wisely and 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 living within the the if you would the financial stratosphere that God has allowed them to live. But when we get into trouble with our job is when we say, well, I'm not paid enough for my job, and yet my needs are being met. When we get discontented with what God has given to us, and yet it's sufficient to meet the need, that is what we should be content with, and to complain about it or to murmur about it or to, to not rest contented saying, God, thank you for what you provided. I'm very grateful. Is a wrong attitude. So um, I'll tell you what, even if your boss acts dishonorably and he doesn't give you a living, uh, what, what would be considered a living r- wage, uh, the truth is you should act honorably and look for a job somewhere else that's going to meet the needs um, of your family. And that's fine, but you still should act right in your job because you're not working for the man who's paying you, you're working for the one who's watching and who, who bought you with his blood. All right. So if basic needs are being met, be uh, content with that. Um, and uh, take a moment, keep your, keep your place here because I'm going to come back. To, well, actually, no, I'm going to give you a second point and then I'm going to, we'll go back to the book of Luke in just a moment. All right. We're in first Timothy, look at first Timothy chapter five and verse eight. In First Timothy chapter, I'm sorry, and verse 18. Verse 8 is actually a good verse, okay? You're supposed to provide for your own, but that's not the principle we're trying to share with you. Verse 18 says this, For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Now, in this passage, he's actually talking about elders, pastors. He's talking about their care. He talks about how they're worthy of double honor. And double honor is not that you're supposed to have special respect for. He's actually dealing with compensation. And the point is, is that someone who labors and ministers in the Word of God should have the needs met by those he ministers to. That is why we ask you to give when an evangelist comes and preaches and, and, and holds services, or when a guy comes in on a Sunday and preaches the Word of God, and we may take an offering. Because the truth is, those who are being fed by those who minister the Word of God should take care of feeding physically, The one who ministers the word, Uh, which, by the way, I'm very grateful for the attitude that the men have and the care that has been given to us. Uh, But that is what God talks about here. But he does share with us a principle in this, and it's a principle found as he deals with uh, finances in other places. And it's this. First, you're to work for what you earn. Okay? and a preacher is doing that. You have a job. Yes, I have a job. I. I, I, I was asked that question, well well you should have a, a backup my 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 job is preaching the word of God. I don't consider it a job, but it's a job, okay, as far as God is concerned and um and I don't have any backup because I don't want to have a backup. Um, I want to trust the Lord to meet my needs as I do what He's called me to do, and it would be pastor. But God teaches in this, in that statement, you're to work for what you earn and then it's your rightful due when the job is done. The laborer is worthy of his reward. And the whole mentality is this, he's to work and when he has done his work, then he, is, he ought be paid. And that is his due and that is what should be paid to him. So what, you are to work for what you earn and it is your rightful due when the job is done. Now take a moment if you would, And go back to the book of Luke. And I want to share a a couple of verses that support these passages we saw later on in the New Testament in the book of Timothy. When we talked about basic needs being met and being content, in Luke chapter 3, we have uh, Jesus Christ dealing with People who came to him asking questions. And you know what they ask questions about? Uh, just what are we supposed to do? In um, fact, publicans uh, came to be baptized of Jesus Christ, we find in verse 12. And they asked the question, all right, we're going to get baptized. We're, we're saying that we're a follower of you. We're going to identify with you. So, Master, what should we do? And what did he tell them? Okay, that's interesting. All right, so the tax collector wasn't supposed to take any more than he was supposed to take. Now, uh, unfortunately, the Lord didn't tell us what that tax amount was. <sighs> Wouldn't it be great if we could say to our our government, "No, I'm not going to pay. <laughs> I'm not going to pay uh, 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 30% of my income. You know, um, I'm not going to do that." All right, but he doesn't. He doesn't say that. He does, by the way, give the government the right to tax. Um, and and that's another story for another passage for another time. But if you look, he says, so don't take any more than that which is appointed you. And that goes with the idea of contentment, isn't it? All right, you're supposed to work for this. Here's what you're supposed to collect. You're not supposed to take any more than that. Why did they take more than that? Why did Zacchaeus take more than that? Read to pad his pockets. And he promised to give back when he got saved. That's a, what not that a great attitude? Okay. Wouldn't you love that if someone came back and said, I took more than I should have. Okay. I'm giving you some money back. I didn't need to charge you as much for that service. How many of you have ever had that happen? Okay. I haven't either. Okay. In Luke chapter 3, though, and in verse 14, soldiers also uh, asked and saying, what shall we do? And Christ answered, don't do violence to anyone. Don't accuse people falsely, and then what? Government workers unhappy with their wages. Does that sound familiar? Um, but it's not just government workers. Here's the truth: a lot of people just aren't happy with what they're what they're given. And God says, "Hey, look, be content." Um, in Luke chapter 10, the second principle, the one we just looked at, your work for what you learn, what you earn. In Luke chapter 10. Uh, Jesus Christ taught again. And he did many times through parables and other means, and that was a specific example in Luke 3 of uh, people who asked him. In chapter 10 and verse 7, uh, he brings out the statement we read in 1 Timothy chapter 5. He said in verse 7, And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. And this is talking again about a, about a man who ministers the word of God, because he was sending Uh, 70 out to preach the word of God. And he says, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. In other words, look, if provisions are being made, you work for what you earn. It's your rightful due when the job is done. And and if you're getting that, then be content where you're at. And, And continue on and be faithful. Now, if you would, let's turn to Matthew chapter 20. And I know we've been jumping around a little bit. But turn to Matthew chapter 20. And in Matthew chapter 20, as Jesus did often, he talked about money. He talked about money in numerous different ways. And he used many parables to teach uh, heavenly stories, to teach eternal truth. Okay? We understand that in parables and in his stories. But he uses numerous situations. And he says, in, in many cases, these things are are a good pattern. They're, they're just good stories. They're true stories. And he uses those stories to teach uh to teach truth. He talks about the kingdom of heaven in chapter 20 of Matthew. And um and his point was the last shall be first, the first shall be last. And we're not going to go into all that. But he tells a story about an, a business owner. And there's some things that happen. In verses 1 and 2. Uh, there's a man. who was an householder. He's a businessman. And he went out early in the morning to hire laborers, and his labor and you get laborers to do what? To work for him. Okay. So let's just walk through some of these things about wages. First thing, in letter C, you have the right to agree upon a price for work to be done. Workers had a right to choose what they would earn, uh, and it's kind of interesting. But Matthew 20 and other passages in scripture also we could argue. Support the idea that contract negotiations are fine. Here's a guy who goes out, he needs some people to work in his field, so he has a discussion with people who are sitting looking for a job, because that's how it happened in that day. They didn't have the internet. Okay, I know you find your jobs on the internet. They didn't have headhunters. Well, maybe they did, I don't know. <laughs> but headhunters in that day might have been a little bit different than headhunters in this day, uh, who, uh, who looked for work for people, uh, but in that day, what people did was they would come to the uh, to a certain place, a gathering place. Employers would come and look for people to work. They would talk to them and discuss what they were going, what they were willing to pay, and then people that were willing to go and work for that job and for that day would uh, would take would accept the job. So, contract negotiations went on. Uh, the expectation is that reasonable comp- compensation would be expected. Um, and what was reasonable compensation in that day? It sounds great, doesn't it? It was a penny. You say, what was a penny? Does anyone know? I think probably some of you do. Basically, in that day, it would have been a day's wage. It would have been sufficient to provide food and and shelter, food and raiment, okay, to take care of the basic needs. That was generally what was that was generally that was that which was offered. The boss had the right to decide what he would pay. He could agree to it. Um, by the way, that, that does go into discussions about, um, uh, yeah, like, like the baseball player strike. Some guy making $450,000 saying that he's, he's being chaffed because he's only making 450000 That's By the way, I think that's the lowest pay scale, isn't it? Something like 450000 I think they raised it up to that for a year of playing baseball. Um, not even a year. You could work in the offseason a little bit. But anyway, that, uh, well, you can tell what side I'm on as far as the strike is concerned with players, all right? But, um, but the idea was you, you have a right to agree upon a price for work that's to be done. What's interesting is he tells the story some people went out and worked and started work. Well, he didn't have enough workers, so the guy comes back, he gets some more, and he agrees with them that he's going to pay them. Penny sends them out into the field. They came a few hours later. And such happens throughout the story. If you look in verses ten to twelve, we find this. But when the first came, and this is at the end of the day, they did their work, uh, they began beginning from the last unto the first. Well, okay, he, he did this a couple times during the day. The last group that got hired comes in first to get paid, which is kind of interesting to me. But Jesus is telling the story, and he can tell it however he wants. And there's a reason he told it that way, and the reason it happened that way, because the master gave those guys who only worked about an hour or two hours a penny. Now, if you had worked all day, and when you got up to the master, he gave you a penny, when the guy that only worked two hours got a penny, would you have been happy? Come on, seriously. Would, would, eh, all right, come on, let's be honest. No. Yeah, that's not fair. Exactly. Okay. And, and Jesus Christ taught something different. He did. He said this He said, the employer has the right to pay people what he decides to pay them. He wants to be generous to one person and not generous to another. He has that right. Because he is the one who has, if you would, made the investment, he's got his business, and he has the right to choose what he's going to do with that which he has. And Christ uses that to teach uh, in a A lesson about the the, he that is is, is last is first and first is last, and again, we don't have time to go into that. But the, the second point to be made is you're not, as far as earning, you're not to compare your earnings to others. You're not to compare your earnings to others. So here's the thing. If you take a job on and you agree to such and such an hour, $10, $15, $20, $60, $100 an hour, I say, right, yeah, right, okay. Um, if that's no longer meeting needs, you can go and plead your cause. You can look for another job if you so choose to, but if you agree to work for that, don't complain when you're paid that. And don't look at the guy next to you who's getting paid twice as much for the, for the same amount of work. You say, well, well, that's not fair. In this story, God says, that's that's not the issue. The issue is you agreed to work for this. So, in essence, be content with that. If the master so chooses to give someone else the same amount for, for less work, that's his choice. And here's the truth. You don't have to work for him again. You can go find another job or you can just learn to be content. Because it's meeting the need. The next point. That, that sounds. See, this is so foreign to our thinking, isn't it? Seriously, we're, we're not. We're not taught this in America. We're taught. Well, get out and on the strike line and and demand their rights and make the make the owner pay because they got all sorts of money because they took all the risk. But that's another story. Um, today. Those who make money are are looked down upon and punished because they make money and they took the risks and they did the the work in order to get it. And that is wrong. That is so wrong. Okay, the the fifth thing is you have no right to contend, letter E. Contend or demand more than has been agreed upon. Look at verse 14. Here's what. Verse 13, because he's answering that these people weren't happy. And he answered one of them and said, friend, I do thee no wrong. And here's the question. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Here's the question. Did they agree with him for a penny? Okay. Then he didn't do them wrong. He offered that. They accepted that. And he gave them that. You say, but he did this for them. What he does with his money is for him to decide it is not for you to get angry and upset about it. You have no right to contend or demand more than what's been agreed upon. In verse 14, the owner said this, Take that as thine, go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. And here's the truth. You know what people would be saying about that guy? Seriously, you know what news reports would be saying about that guy? Look at that cheap owner. That, that's what, come on, seriously, isn't that, that would be the news. Look at that cheap owner who's holding back all that money, and he could pay them more. Maybe he could, but this is what they agreed on. This is so foreign to our thinking today. So if you agreed on it, do it and don't complain about it. If it no longer meets needs and you go to your boss and you say, I need I need a raise in order to make it and, and to provide for my own. And the, and the boss says, sorry, there's there's no money for that or I'm not going to give any for that. Then then you can look for a job, but don't change your attitude. You're working for Jesus Christ. Do your best until you find another job. And then go to that job that's going to meet the needs. But don't complain and don't go around telling everyone you're being ripped off when you agreed for, to something. Does that make sense? I This is so simple. It's so basic. You'd think uh, we could understand it. But again, we're taught in... And we live in a society that it's just, well, well. you just got to take what's yours and you got to make demands. And you have no right to do that. And the owner said that. And he, the truth of the matter is the owner was being gracious, just not to you. And th- isn't that what it ultimately gets down to? Here's the truth. Those other workers didn't deserve a penny. And that guy actually was being very generous. Am I right? It's true, but it wasn't looked at that way. And that is that is a shame. So you have no right to contend or demand more than what's been agreed upon. Uh, the, the, the letter F, what you earn is yours. It's profound, but we go back to that principle we've already looked at. What you earn is yours. I got in trouble with teachers last week, I think, but uh, a teacher called in a talk show on, 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 the radio complained about the pay scale. And it was interesting to me. It was, it was a while back. You would think that the, the, the host would side with the man and say, Oh, you're not being paid what you ought. But it really actually caught my attention because here's, here's what, what the host said. When you entered the field of teaching, did you know what teachers made? What they, what they make? And the person on the phone said, Uh yes. So the guy said, yet you chose that field. And the teacher said, well, yes. So the host said this, you made your choice. Don't complain to me about it. And don't expect more. Whoa. Didn't expect to hear that. But... That's right. You get into this and you made that decision and and, and okay, that was your choice. So, so be grateful if it's meeting needs. And if not, then find a place where an owner understands that and will seek to meet them better. And then the last point under that is the owner is not obligated to give you more than your earnings. But remember this, he may be generous to whomever he will. And this is so hard. I I, I know the truth is it's so hard. When you have a boss who who gives a a Christmas bonus to someone else that hasn't worked as hard as you and gives you nothing. I know it's hard. If you worked all day, if you slaved all day, come on, you you were all with me. I I, I slaved all day. I, I would have a hard time if he gave me a day's wages and he gave some guy that worked an hour in the field. A day's wages as well. But but here's the truth. The owner has the right to do that. And Jesus used that story to teach another truth, a heavenly truth. But yet he used that and he used many stories such like throughout the gospels to teach truths and, and to share with us. And in the rest of scripture, he supports some of the things that took place in this story. So, here, here's the, here's the fact of the matter and I didn't have any of these these points and i could we could spend a lot more time, but we could go through and talk about all the things we talked about in the beginning what what does God want you to do in the matter of work what does God want you to do as far as a christian should a Christian be involved in a strike um what should a Christian do in regard to the lottery what should a Christian do um in regard to um in, in regard to welfare, and what should the thinking be about welfare? These questions are all answered by God. And they're not answered in the, in the sense that we look at the Word of God and say, well, they had welfare in the Bible because they didn't have it as we see it in our government today. But the Bible does have examples of all sorts of things that help us to know how we're supposed to live life and live godly. And it's my prayer that you and I will just look at scriptures like this and ask ourselves the question, is my thinking right? And is my thinking biblical? It's not how do I feel. It's not what do I think. It's not what do I want. But the question is, is my thinking biblical? And my challenge has been to you ever since we started, and we've been doing this for a few years on Sunday nights, as we looked at controversial subjects. It's just to say, okay, look, I've got to live life saying the Bible has spoken. What does it say? And what should my attitude be? And it's my prayer that in something even as simple as what should my attitude be toward work and toward the lottery and other things. You'll just be a Christian who who takes the scripture and says, God has spoken. I wanna find out what he said and I wanna do it. And I wanna please him. And if you will, then look, that's all that's important because, because no matter what your employer does or what you do as an employer, if, if you're seeking to live a biblical life God will be well-pleased. And that, my friends, is all that matters. The only thing that you'll take with you is the only thing that will matter for eternity. And it's my prayer that you'll have God's thinking about wages, about employment, about your job, and not your own, and that I will as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you that in, in so many ways you deal with the practical issues of everyday life and this, this matter of wages and, and employment and employers and employees and, and what you expect. I'm so thankful that the Bible has given us an outline. And I know it's, it's totally, it's very much contrary to the, the thinking of society as a whole in America. And I pray that you'd help us not to be put into the mold of the thinking of the world but that our minds would be transformed and renewed by Scripture so that we think biblically, even about our job. And may we then please you as we seek to work our job and and take the wages that come as a result and respond and do what you'd have us to do. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you.